This week, we come to another example in the middle part of Luke's gospel of Jesus trying to broaden the minds of people who already know God and extending the scope of his message. He does this as he goes about smashing the glass ceiling of separation from the Heavenly Father, explaining who is loved by God and who all we are called to love. The question of the lawyer here in Luke is a little different from that in the other Gospels, where the parable of a man found beaten up on the road is, is told. Not what is the greatest commandment, not particularly that question about the law, but a more personal question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? And inherit is the really important word there. Because eternal life cannot by us be bought, and it cannot by us be earned. An inheritance is given normally to the children, but can be to others that are loved, that are thought well of, that are cared for. That's what an inheritance is, as we normally think of it. But we also know it's not simply finances or property that can be inherited, but our genetic traits, our hair, our eyes, our skin color, our height, our bone structure, and so on. And perhaps Jesus uses this idea as he establishes the hero of the parable. The Samaritan is a distant cousin. He's from that part of the family that you don't normally invite to the wedding. You know? The ones that we don't normally talk to, those that are... We don't have anything to do with them. Rather than someone that the law expert would see as a brother or sister. But before this character is introduced, there is another bit of squirming that has to take place by that lawyer. The lawyer knows his law and can answer his own question. And this is true of most lawyers, isn't it? Probably every lawyer. As they examine their witness, they ask not what the witness wants to make a statement about, but the question that will move forward the prosecution or the defense of the client. They know the answer they want. They know the answer they expect to get. So I wonder how the lawyer would have answered their second question, who is my neighbor? He wouldn't have asked it 
if he didn't already know what he wanted to hear. Remember, he's not just asking for his own information. He's trying to catch Jesus out. Perhaps the lawyer would have turned to what we know as Leviticus 19, where loving neighbor is spoken of. Indeed, it it would seem to be where he is quoting this part of the law. Here, along with other laws, such as not wearing garments worn of two kinds of thread and not clipping the edges of one's beard, we can read, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. That's where that that phrase comes from, love your neighbor as yourself. These laws seem to tie the idea of neighbor in with Israelites, others of the same sort of people. However, the law, a little bit further down, also says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as you love yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The neighbor is therefore established by God while on the walk to the promised land to be anyone living in that land. Anyone that's there. People that are the same as you or people that are different from you. People of a different heritage, a different faith are neighbors. And to be loved. And with that, I am the Lord your God ending, it gives a little reminder of how the Lord identifies at the time that the Ten Commandments are given. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Further emphasizing that they were foreigners. They were ill-treated foreigners. They know what it is to be an ill-treated foreigner. And that this is not of God. So I wonder what he thought of neighbor. And I wonder, do we always treat everyone, whatever their heritage, as if they were born with the same white British characteristics that many of us have? Do we treat everyone as if they were born in the UK? And what does that say to us about immigration policy, those seeking asylum, those that we have general relations with in other nations? If the guiding principle given to us by God is that we are to treat all people with the same mercy and grace 
unrighteousness, no matter their country of origin, does that mean they can access education, healthcare, take up employment if they're in this country? Which makes sense, as the government's research shows immigrants pay more into the economy than take out. It would have been interesting to have heard the lawmaker's answer about neighbour. But instead, Jesus gives us a parable. The victim by the roadside is stripped of his clothes and his money, and with that, his identity. He is simply a man. He could be any person. We don't know who they are. And it's not revealed in the story who they are. We might suspect he is Jewish as he's on the Jerusalem to Jericho road, but he's actually of no known origin. And of course, we hear in the parable that non-Jews also travel on that road. The Samaritan is traveling on that road. The person robbed is of no known wealth. Both rich and poor get robbed. So we can't make any assumption about that. The clothes may have told us something about the person, but they've gone into the possession of the bandits. We don't know whether this person will be able to repay the favor because we know nothing, absolutely nothing about them. Priest and Levite go past and they cross over on the other side. Perhaps they each face a dilemma. They are to love their neighbor, but they are also to stay ritually clean so that they can exercise their role at the temple. They would have been well-versed in the law, and hearing of them walking on would have made the expert a little uncomfortable. Is he actually thinking about me? Is he putting me into that story? Is he saying that I don't care for other people? Maybe it makes all of us who are people of faith slightly uncomfortable. For no one wants to be a hypocrite. But living in the law is not always easy. Each person on the road must make a decision either to walk past or to go to the naked man who may be dead which would defile them. Or, of course, if they do walk on, they would be free to bless the lives of others, wouldn't they? It's the hypothetical fast train on a set of tracks with you in a signal box. You don't have time to warn the driver to stop. So do you let it run over the drunk that's wandering along the railway line, 
Or do you switch the points on that line so that the train journeys a short track and hits a buffer that might injure the driver and others on board, perhaps even killing some of them? The scenario has no easy win. There are both disasters waiting to happen. In both, the train driver will be psychologically scarred and others possibly injured. That's a hypothetical exercise. But in the decisions we make, there can also be no direct answer. Some choices are easy, some might be hard, but whatever we choose has consequences for ourselves and for others. There are limited hours in our life. There are limited personal finances in our stewardship. But we have to use them wisely not simply for our benefit, but that love is shared and the kingdom can grow. The Samaritan steps forward. I think in the example of a train, he would have done a third way. He would have raced to the drunk and tried to get him off the line. But in doing What he does do, he puts himself in danger. He pays out at huge cost. His personal resources, oil and wine, two days of pay. He puts in effort. He walks while the man is on his donkey. He also offers the innkeeper whatever it takes while the man gets well. Time, effort, finances, energy. Not knowing who the person is, he simply has pity and acts in love. This is being a neighbor. Thinking not of ourselves having the priority, but acting with compassion. When we know something needs to be done, and that we are capable of doing it, do we? Or do we walk on past on the other side so that our life doesn't get complicated, so that we don't give of ourselves, so that no risk is taken? The lawyer with his questions had asked, who is my neighbor? Now Jesus asked him, who is the neighbor? Who is it? The one with pity, the one with mercy, the one with compassion is his answer. But despite knowing 
the law from Leviticus about foreigners. Despite hearing the story of the Samaritan, he is not able to bring himself to say that the neighbor in the parable is a Samaritan. He still holds his prejudice. I wonder how often there is something of the gospel we know, but we are afraid to say it because it challenges our prejudice and makes us act in a way that we might otherwise not. It makes us take a more challenging path it makes us pay a cost. It makes us take a risk. So how do we inherit eternal life? Through love. It is given to us by the one who came and gave his all and enabled us to become children of the Heavenly Father. But what are we to do? We are to go and have mercy and reveal that love, even though to do so may be costly. We are to be a neighbor to all. Amen.